Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Deb Bowen. And I'm Samantha Fay. And we are just so delighted and honored that you have joined us. We're excited to finally be back to something that you all, we know, really enjoy. And that's our question and answer episode. We've had a lot of nice questions. We're going to get to as many of them in this hour as we can and see what happens. Sit back and enjoy. Take a deep breath. And let's get started, shall we? Samantha, how about if I take the first question? That sounds great. Okay. Hi, Deb and Samantha. I just so loved your holiday magic and miracles episode. I wanted to tell you about a little magic my eight-year-old son just experienced. There have been some recent hardships in our lives, and it's been a bit of a hard time to remain positive and feel the magic of the season. The other day while I was doing dishes in preparation to make some cookies with my son, I prayed to whoever was listening to please help me bring magic into this season for my kids. Not five minutes later, my son is helping me get things out of the cabinet, and he finds a Santa Claus stuffed animal in the cabinet. I go into this cabinet a lot, and I have not seen this stuffed animal there at all. It fell out on him in the most magical way, and he was tickled because Santa caught him helping mom and being good at a time when the smallest bits of magic count. This felt like an instant answer to a prayer and brought tears to my eyes. A reassurance that, yes, it will be magical for them. Don't worry. Thank you so much for this very much needed soul food this morning. Just what the doctor ordered. I love that letter, Samantha, because it really does remind me that it's the small things that we sometimes pass over or gloss over or are too busy to pay attention to. That are often the real miracles in our days every day. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And it reminds us too that we have to ask for magic in our life. We have to seek out that which we believe for it to really respond and work with us. That's beautiful. Thank you for taking time to share that. Our next one says, Hi, Samantha. I felt compelled to reach out to you after listening to your interview on the Sense of Soul podcast. I've listened to you and Deb for about a year now and always love what you put out for us. This episode really hit close to home for me as I've been wrestling with my faith. I grew up in a more religious background, and for me to venture off that path, so to speak, feels like I'm doing something that will displease a lot of people close to me, as well as go against all I ever knew and believed. I've always known I was different. I would hear things or see things as a child, and whenever I would share about it, I basically was told that it was from stress, and that just made me suppress it all up until this last year. 
I embarked on my true spiritual journey this February, and I really began to understand myself more and more through meditation, signs, synchronicity. I realized I should become a Reiki practitioner and start my own business. So I received my Reiki 1 and 2 attunements in July, and I've been practicing since then. However, I've only been seeing a few clients and using it behind the scenes. I haven't really come out and announced that I do this work. I know and deeply feel that I am not using my abilities as I'm intended to. I'm honestly scared because I feel like the intense religious family members of mine will tell me I'm a witch or that I'm partaking in the work of the devil as the Bible tells us not to consult with mediums or fortune tellers, for example. My own brother has even told me that I will be made fun of whenever I choose to be public with it. I'm wrestling with this so much, I just want to be myself and stand up for what I am doing. But I don't want the rejection from those close to me, nor do I want to feel as though I'm defying God. I keep searching for answers to confirm this path that I have chosen. I do get answers through readings, in meditation, and many other ways. But then I second guess and start questioning myself every single time. It's like I cannot get past this one step. I'm thankful to have heard your story related to this because it did give me hope and motivation. I really hope that sooner or later I will have full peace within to share what I am doing. I also found it synchronistic that you spoke of numerology and our homes. You mentioned that your address breaks down to a one, mine does as well. The information you gave about the one made so much sense. I do feel like there's a lot of independence and self-sufficiency in my home and at times it does frustrate me. I'll definitely take your advice and place the number two above our door. Looking forward to those new vibrations it will bring. Thank you for all you do and sharing your truth. Well, I just want to thank you for taking time to share that because this is something I think so many of us have and continue to struggle with. And it's it can be comforting just to know that others are going through that or to hear from others who have been through that. I think it's an ongoing journey. I don't believe that there's ever a day that I woke up and said, you know what, Samantha, you're different, you're intuitive, and people are going to judge you, and that's okay. I don't think I could say, well, that was December 8, 2008. To me, it was incredibly gradual. It was very, very hard. And I still have moments where I think about it. I don't ever meet a stranger and when they say, what do you do for a living? I don't say, oh, I'm an intuitive medium. I always just say, oh, I'm self-employed. So I understand all that she is going through and I really appreciate you taking the time to share it with all of our listeners because, Deb, this is a question we get a lot, isn't it? It's a question that we get a lot. It's a question that you and I ask ourselves a lot. You know, I'm a lot older than Samantha, folks. I'm ancient. And I've been going through that question now for a long time. And just when I think I've got it and hello, I am wearing my superwoman cape and I am ready to fly off the cliff and say, I am who I am. Something comes along and says, whoa, Deb, honey, you might not really want to rush on out there. And I say that knowing that we're talking to how many literally millions of people as we're doing this podcast. So it's a, it's an ever evolving learning journey. And I think that every time I peel away a piece of that layer and feel more comfortable and accepting in my own skin, I'm willing and able to mirror that for other people. So I'm, ho- I'm so glad that our podcast helps people that way. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, I really believe that when you're ready, spirit will just guide you and guide your family members and your friends in the right ways. It, it's gradual. It doesn't happen overnight. 
But as you get stronger and stronger in your conviction and your belief that you are serving the light and you are doing wonderful work, you will grow in confidence and that will be felt by your family and friends and it'll start to erode at these little self-doubts of, ooh, what is this and what am I doing? What does the Bible say? But again, I still go down this rabbit hole. Just the other week, I found an article about how St. Jerome was hired to translate the Bible. And there's a lot of controversy around this, but many people believe that he took the Greek word for poisoner and he turned it to witch. Have you read that, Deb? I have not, but I have a friend who is an artist who has been painting portraits of the saints. She and I talked about St. Jerome recently. Yeah, I'll have to go back and... and kind of refresh my memory on that conversation and get back to you on that. Yeah, if you Google St. Jerome translating Bible uh, poisoner to witch, I'm sure the articles I found will come up. But but again, it's just something I'm always thinking about, you know, what, what was really intended uh, in the Bible. And I just don't think what we we get today is what was intended. And I have to say at the end of the day, if you're a good person and you're coming from a good place, of wanting to help and serve and heal. You cannot be led astray. That's just my conviction and my belief. Yes, and, and I, I would say that we are all loved. Yes, we are all yeah. loved. And when we say yes to this work, we will be guided. It just takes time. None of this is overnight. I could go off on a whole long tangent about our instant society and how just crazy making that is to me in a process that takes a lifetime. I really believe it takes a lifetime. I do too. But I like that she's thinking about all of this because my personality is, oh, this is great. I'm asked to do this. I'm going to go do readings here. Okay. And I just kind of jump in and then think about it later. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. And I think it's, if I had thought this much about what I was doing, I mean, do you remember when we started this show, Deb? Like, we didn't even think anyone would listen to us. No. We begged Joel to please at least let us know somebody was out there, remember? Yeah. 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 So I just never thought that people would hear this. And then, like, oh, one person from my high school Facebook messaged me and was like, I love your podcast. And that freaked me out. Like, oh, my God, people <laughs> I know are listening. And so over the years, that's been hard. So my personality is... This is fun. This feels great. I think this will help others. I'm going to do it. And then I have those, oh, crap moments after. Like, what did I do? What What are people going to say? So I, I think she's got a really good, you know, attitude right now where she's considering all of this and she's still doing the work she's here to do and called to do. And all she has to do now is work on the self-doubt. And, you know, that takes time. The self-doubt and the trust. As you were talking and I thought... You know, but there are those times where we get the signs. It's like a flashing neon sign in front of our face that says, yes, go, do, forth, go forth. And we go, oh, but, you know, it's in green, and I thought it was going to be in red, that sign. Right. Oh, really? Hello? Just accept the sign. And that's such a, and, I ha and I'm talking to myself here, uh, you know, and I get so frustrated because I don't always accept it. And say, okay, well, that was really good, but now could you do it in purple? Yeah, I do that too. But you know what? I, I, I always will say to God, like, okay, I know you guys are super frustrated with me, but you created me. So you have to know how filled with self-doubt I am all the time. Well, but sometimes I say, okay, just shut up and take it. And there have been, with the really big decisions in my life, 
when I have asked for a sign and the sign has literally flown in front of my face, I've said, okay, I quit. I surrender. I got it. And you know what I have to remind myself to say is thank you. Instead of, is that my sign? I mean, I've told this story a thousand times when I was walking home from book club and I was really debating, should I do this work or not? And I asked God for a sign and I saw a shooting star right then, as soon as I uttered the words, please show me a sign if I'm supposed to do intuitive readings. Boom, a shooting star. I ran into the house feeling overwhelmed as though God had just communicated with me, call me Samantha Moses. I was thrilled. <laughs> and then... I remember I was brushing my teeth and I was like, well, wait a minute, a half a million people probably just looked up and saw that shooting star. Who the hell am I to think that's my sign? And I doubted it, eradicated it, and had to ask for a new sign. So we're with yeah. you, listener, just so you know, we get it. We do. All right, let's move on. The next letter says, my mother passed away last year, and we're so sorry to hear that. An older sister of mine who had no relationship with her for approximately four years prior to her death is now claiming that she's been communicating with her via a pendulum and a board. She said she speaks to her all the time via the board and wanted to give me some messages from her. The first message was just that she loves me, which was fine. But the second message was that my husband and I would divorce. Out of the blue, she tells me this. As of right now, there is no reason that we would divorce and I have no plans to do so. Of course, you never know what life has in store, but this message troubles me. I don't know that my mother would have brought through a message like this. I have learned that most well-intentioned psychics and mediums cast a protective circle first, or at least say an equivalent prayer or invocation to protect themselves and prevent unwanted spirits from coming forward and will not accept any negativity or negative messages. I don't think my sister practices in this way and may... Uh, hold the door open for any and everyone. My question is, would it seem reasonable for the spirit of my mother to bring this type of message through to my sister? I should also add that the initial question my sister asked my mom was not on my behalf, but her own. She wanted to know if I'd moved back into our home state and my mother answered no, but that I would move closer and my husband and I would break up. My sister decided on her own that she would share this information with me. I don't believe that this is a true message from my mother, but at the same time, I don't want to be unwilling to believe something simply due to my dislike of the information itself. Anyway, I was just hoping for your thoughts on this. Here's, here's the Deb quick and short version answer to this question. We have said probably 5,492 million times on this podcast that for somebody to just deliver messages without permission to do so is not okay. You have a huge ethical responsibility for that. If you're delivering messages at all, you, you have to have permission to deliver them. You, the person who wrote this letter, we I can't stress to you enough the need for you to set some boundaries and say no. You're not if you're not willing to accept the messages to say so to set that boundary. You have to make that decision. But if that is your choice make the decision and be clear about it. I've done readings for years and years and years. People who have gotten readings from me can email me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall ever hearing a loved one in heaven say, hey, heads up, you're about to get divorced. They will say things like, you know, there might be some communication issues coming up. So, you know, go ahead and plan that romantic getaway or reinforce your bonds or 
be supportive as your spouse goes through some issues at work, things like that. But I've never heard someone say point blank, divorce is coming. Have you? Never. No, not that I recall. I would just recommend that this person think about a lot about whether or not they're willing to accept these messages in this way. And if the answer is no, be very clear about that. Yes. And we do not mean to disparage the board as we tend to do on this show, but it does seem to be a trend that in the beginning of playing around with the board, positive messages come through and then boom, it's just negative Nelly after negative Nelly message. All right. Our next question says, I listened to your most recent psychic teachers podcast today. I took your and Deb's advice and asked my guides for help. One of my questions was, what am I? Well, sure enough, I read your newsletter, went to your site, and then to your BeliefNet articles and found that I am a night worker. I was not looking for the answer specifically. I was just reading and I was led to your article. You were right. Question one down. Thank you for being and sharing the light. I will pay it forward. Well, thank you so much for that. I love those instances where we just put a thought out to the universe, to our guides. You know, what am I? What am I here for? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? What's my next step? It's very, very rare that you're going to hear a booming voice say, your next step is to go to the store and get a lottery ticket. You know, you're not going to get a very specific answer, but you will be led in these really wonderful synchronistic ways you know click on this newsletter read this article or put this documentary on and suddenly there's your answer but again like we were saying earlier you have to be open to it and you know she asked she was open to the sign she clicked when she felt compelled to and she found her answer so if anyone is new to the show and is saying what the heck are they talking about well i came up with this phrase called night worker years ago because i kept having dreams where I believe I feel that I am working in the dream state, where I'm either giving healing or giving readings or helping earthbounds cross over or helping newly arrived souls transition to the other side and acclimate to their new energy. And I started sharing these stories on the show and getting so many emails of people talking to me about their own experiences where they would have dreams that didn't feel like dreams where they were doing readings or giving healings. I've had dreams of friends and told them the next day and they had the same exact dream where I was in the dream with them too. And so I've just shared these stories. I wrote an article about it on BeliefNet and uh, I've just started talking and a lot more about it and trying to get the message out there that I think some of us lightworkers are also nightworkers and we're doing work while we sleep. And I, I just find it a fascinating subject to study. So I'm glad that it was able to help you, Pam, and, and I thank you for sharing that. And I hope it helps anyone else who's thinking, what the heck is happening when I'm dreaming? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Marion told me back in the early 80s, she said, I spent my nights in hospitals comforting the dying. And it makes you wonder some of those stories you hear where a chaplain will come into the hospital and, and give you a blessing and they say to the nurse, oh, that chaplain was so helpful last night. There was no chaplain on duty. or. Right. That woman you sent in to comfort my son in the hospital before his surgery was so lovely. There's no woman, you know, it makes you wonder, was that an angel? Was that Deb Bowen? <laughs> Probably the angel, because, you know, in real life, it, it, I absolutely abhor to be in a hospital. And and I remember Marion saying, that's the reason. It's because I work all night in a hospital. Oh, that's fascinating. It is. Okay, let me tell folks about the next email. I was just listening to your Christmas Angels podcast, and it really cheered me up as Christmas has become a bit of a, an emotional time for me. 
Keep in mind, this story all happened within a matter of about three minutes. I really connected with Deb's emotions surrounding her grandmother's candle and the story she was sharing. I also had a little cry about my grandfather, who I've been missing a lot lately, and wondered if he was watching over me. So I prayed a little blessing for Deb. Oh, thank you. And felt that her grandmother was watching down over her around this holiday season. It was just an intuitive thought. And I knew Deb was already aware of it. And about five seconds after that, though, my grandfather's ring appeared on my bed, which had been missing for months now. And I just broke down crying, happy tears, feeling his presence with me. Oh, I'm so glad you got your grandfather's ring. And what a confirmation of what you did. I mean, well, how lovely is this? That in in being so kind about me and, and the story I was telling on the podcast episode, it's, it's all, is this the universe or spirit heard you and said, oh, look, here's something to make you absolutely sure that when you, when you give and share and care about other people, it comes back to you many fold in the form of your grandfather's ring. How lovely. That's a beautiful story. It is. Thank you for that. Samantha, let's take a break and let me tell folks about some exciting things that I've got coming up and share some information about how folks can find both of us. I have my advanced Tarot course starting this coming Wednesday night on the 14th. So if you are somebody who has taken my intro class and want to join me, you need to go to my website and sign up for that really quickly so I can get the information out to you. Also on that website is a little place at the bottom of the homepage where you can click to sign up for my newsletter. Samantha has a similar button on her website, and I'll give you both of the addresses in a minute here. But if you subscribe to our newsletters, you really can see quickly each month what's coming up in the near future. My website is debbowen.com. Samantha's is samanthafay.com. And we'd love to have you check out our products and services and certainly join our newsletter list. Okay, let's get back to the questions. Our next one says, I was just listening to the most recent Q&A episode and you mentioned how much effort and permission it takes for people from the other side to visit us in our dreams. This got me thinking. I'm wondering why my mother-in-law would visit me in my dreams. I've never asked her for a visit and we didn't have a very good relationship while she was alive. When she has visited me in my dreams, it's still been the same disapproval and judgment that I experienced when she was alive. I know people keep their personalities when they cross over to the other side, so this does not surprise me. What does surprise me is to hear that she would put an effort to come visit in a dream. Can you please elaborate on why somebody would want to visit somebody on this side that they weren't kind to? Is it somehow to correct things that they did while they were alive? That's a really interesting question. And I want to answer it in two ways. So one thing is a lot of times the effort it takes for them to enter our dreams is comprised of their energy. They have to learn to work with their energy in a different way that they're used to. And they have to lower their energy to meet our energy here on this earthly plane. Also with us here and on earth, we have to open our energy. And one of the things that blocks our energy from that is grief. So very often you will have people come to you in a dream that you might be missing but aren't grieving. So maybe a friend or an aunt you didn't know very well or a neighbor might come to you in a dream to get a message to their family because their family member's grief is so strong they can't enter their dreams. 
However, with what she's talking about, her mother-in-law coming to her in a dream and still being kind of nasty and mean and not apparently from what I can see in this email having a message for the mother-in-law's family, it makes me wonder, is this really the mother-in-law visiting in the dream or is this our listener just working out some issues with her subconscious? That's exactly my take on it, Samantha. Carl Jung says that unless there's a, a real clear delineation where you absolutely know, and I don't even know how to tell you how to know, that another person in your dream is that person, and particularly somebody who's passed on. Most often when we dream, the people in our dreams are an aspect of us or are what he calls an archetypal person uh, representing some kind of archetypical kind of uh, mindset. But Often it's a part of ourselves and we have sometimes a part of ourselves called a shadow self. And that's different from the stuff I'm hearing today about shadow work. This, this is about finding a part of yourself that you're, you're not familiar with that you really need to take a look at. And so sometimes that's what happens is we have somebody that with whom we don't necessarily have a good relationship, but it's a part of ourselves we get to we need to get to know. Usually when our loved ones in heaven visit us, it's it's just very clear that it's a visit because they tend to be aware that they are deceased and that they are alive in another dimension and they will often talk about that. You are aware that they are deceased in the dream and that they are alive in another dimension. Usually the meeting takes place in a place that you're very familiar with. So either your home or their home, but it's usually a room or an area that you have visited many, many times. And thirdly, they tend to have a very specific reason to visit you in the dream. So they usually have a message, something that they need to share. Either I made it, I'm safe, please tell everyone I love them, or something specific for you that, that you or a family member need to know. I have never heard of a loved one from heaven visiting just to nag you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, you know, I've told the story many times on this show about my favorite dream visit from my parents and what fun it was. It was such a wonderful visit and so kind and so funny. I mean, my, my father was making jokes about my mama and, and which he would have done in real life. And they were kind jokes. And I knew in the dream that they were dead and they knew they were dead. Well, everybody knew, knew where everybody was. Exactly. Well, like take my friend George who passed away when he was just 27. He has visited me in dreams many times to bring very, very important messages either about my family or his family. However, I also have recurring dreams that I'm walking down a hospital corridor and I walk into a room and he's in the hospital bed hooked up to everything. And I run to him and I say, oh my gosh, George, you're alive. You made it. That's not a visit. That's a wish dream. Right. There's just different types. It's Every time you dream of a deceased person, it's not necessarily a visit. It can just be aspects of our subconscious working stuff out. Let me tell folks about the next one. I am six months into my spiritual awakening. And over the last month, my intuition and psychic abilities have continued to grow. Now I can see orbs with my physical eye as well as white and black lights, shadows, and movements. Are black shadows, lights, and movements always negative? Normally I see everything in my home, but today a black shadow crossed my path at work. At times I see full apparitions of 
who I believe to be my boss's grandfather, but I've never seen a black shadow before. Any insights you can give would be appreciated. One of the things I would really recommend to this listener and to everybody, we've recommended it before, but it bears repeating, is keep a journal, write this stuff down. Uh, Because, you know, it may be sometimes that when we see shadows or we see what we think are orbs around people or around lights or whatever, sometimes they are just what they are. Sometimes we see energy forms in the shape of what's called a shadow person. We most often see them around corners of doorways. And sometimes that's just when there is unsettled energy in a space. You can ask for that to go away, but you got to mean it. You got to really want it to go away. And it will. If you really mean it and you ask, it has to leave. Don't confuse the word black in terms of shadows with everything negative. That's not the case. Sometimes that means hidden or unknown. And sometimes there are things that we're not yet ready to know or are meant to know. Seeing full apparitions is it's a great skill. But again, be very careful for whether or not you mention that to somebody or tell somebody. Always ask, what is your intention here? What is it you're really trying to do? I also certainly recommend that all folks who are doing intuitive work and working with your growing psychic abilities, particularly if you're just beginning on your spiritual awakening journey, is that you work with protective stones so that you're wearing them, so that they're around you on your desk at work or in your home, and that you ask your guides and angels for protection so that you don't absorb negativity and ask for the gift of the ability to determine what is your truth and what is really connected to your psychic ability and what is not. Yeah, and I think for me, when I tend to see shadow things, I've never seen a full shadow cross my path like she's describing, but often I'll see shadow things flit in and out of my peripheral vision. That's always a sign for me, not that there's weird stuff in my home. What I have learned, and like you said, through journaling, I only see that when I'm going through a stressful time or I'm just exhausted. So if I've had a week where I haven't slept more than five hours a night and I'm running the candle, burning the candle at both ends, I'll tend to see that. And I almost feel like it's fragments of myself that are that are running around panicking throughout the house. You know, are we going to get this done? Have you gotten that? Where's your to-do list? Did you check that off? And that's when I know it's time to do a soul retrieval meditation, to do a cord cutting meditation, or to just do some self-care. So it could be that too. Absolutely. Slow down. And I know I can say those two words just with that kind of emphasis and make it sound like it's a real and easy thing to do. And I know it's not. But when we can say to ourselves, take a deep breath, be still, be present in the moment, do that wonderful exercise of what can you see, hear, touch, taste, smell right this minute so that you're truly present in the moment and give yourself permission to be a human being instead of a human doing for just a minute or two, be amazed at what the energy shit will, will do and shift around you. Our next one says, by chance, I discovered your podcast, Psychic Teachers, which is something my soul has been searching for. So I'm not sure where to start, but I have a peculiar gift of being able to channel inanimate objects, houses, and also animals. I thought I'd share a lovely story with you all. Back in the 70s, I lived in a quaint little village. From a very young age, I could communicate with the house. 
It told me secrets, and for many years after I left the home, it would contact me to tell me about new owners. I've moved a lot and have had the same relationship with two other houses, one of which was so upset when I left, I suffered guilt that actually felt as though I committed a crime. My new house chose me over the person who actually bought it and caused quite a stir in the sales office when I explained I would be buying the house even though they had just received a deposit from someone else. My first house came with its own counsel, who regularly met up and on one occasion told me I had a sister that had been adopted. Many years later, this turned out to be true. Do you know of other people who can have these relationships with what appears to be objects or houses? I know it's the house and not spirits, as my first house was very haunted and the spirits acted in a very different way to how the houses act. Kind regards, Jojo. Okay, well, I have not heard of this, Deb, so I'd love your input, but I do believe, and I think physics and quantum physics and all of that science-y stuff is starting to show us that everything is energy and has energy and vibrates and, and has a form of consciousness. And so it could be very, very possible that a home or the land that it sits on has an elemental or a guardian watching over it. And it could be that the house has its own energy. What do you think? I absolutely agree with this woman. I've never conceptualized my relationship with places I've lived the way she has been able to do, which I, it's, I think this is amazing. But I certainly have had a deep and abiding relationship with a house that promised to take care of me. I certainly had this with a beat up old Toyota camper that my mama told me it was a sin to love an inanimate object as much as I loved her. And I said, she is not inanimate. And that was long before I had studied quantum physics or had any knowledge of the Lakota way of thinking about everything being related and everything being energy. So I, I don't doubt a bit that this is a relationship that this woman has had with, with these spaces. You know, we can, you and I, Samantha, certainly have done this with crystals that we work with. We have a relationship with particular stones. I know that you and I both could put our hands into a bowl of, of tumbled stones with our eyes closed and say whether or not we were holding a piece of tumbled amethyst or a piece of tumble tiger's eye just by the by the energy and the vibration right right so why, why would we think we couldn't do that with something bigger like a house i know i mean i'll have to find that article i read a couple of months ago that said everything has consciousness because it made me think when i was a kid i had the weirdest little world going on inside my head and I wonder if other people did this. Like, I remember I'd be packing my lunch. And if there were three Oreos left in the bag, and I normally pack two Oreos, I would have to pack all three because I would think that that last Oreo in the bag would be lonely. Did you ever do <laughs> stuff like that as a kid? Yeah, well, you were much nicer than I was about it. I was like, oh, mama would kill me if she caught me just leaving one Oreo in the bag. <laughs> We've been talking for a very long time about the connection between science and, and spirituality and the notion of quantum physics and that everything is energy and that everything vibrates. I mean, that's what, that's how we align our chakras, right? I mean, we know, we know this. So why would it also not be true in terms of larger spaces as she has suggested here? What an interesting question. Thank you it for that. Really is. Okay. Next one says, I have learned through you ladies how to communicate with my guides. I just ask for signs, and a week or so later, I receive it. Lately, I have had some doubts on this. 
How do I know when I am truly receiving the sign? Or am I just manifesting the sign since it's back in my mind? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think this goes back really, it's a very similar question in some ways to, to one we've answered a little bit earlier in that you got to learn to trust. You got to learn to communicate. You got to learn to accept that a sign is a sign is a sign. Well, and, I think and- you have to look at the situation around the sign too, because there is something, what is it called? The Pilaria effect? What is that word? There's a word for it where if you are shopping for a red Honda Civic, suddenly you're going to see nothing on the road but red Honda Civics. Right. And so if you're asking to see a red cardinal as a sign, there is science backing up the fact that you will see more red cardinals. And so I understand what she's saying. I do too. But I do believe that when I have seen signs that I've asked for, it always happens. It's the timing that I pay attention to. It's the timing. So for example, my sister and I had to move my father into assisted care this weekend and it was incredibly painful and emotional and I hate it, but he's there. And if anyone has time this week and wants to send up extra prayers for my dad, his name is Tom and I would greatly appreciate it. Um, anyway, a couple of days, you know, we've been visiting and spending a lot of time every day there. And the third day I went with my daughter and my dad was a bit more settled and we were sitting out in the little garden they have there. And, and he said, well, this is nice. He said, I never thought I'd end up here, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. And I said, yes, daddy, it's going to be okay. We're going to be here every day. And, and I just sat there and we looked out at the little retention pond and I thought, God, this sucks. I hate this. And I just hope he's going to be okay. One of my signs for my guides is the hawk. Well, two red-tailed hawks fly over the retention pond and sit on the fence around the garden that we're sitting in. And I thought, oh my gosh, two hawks, you know, like my dad and me, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And then they fly away and a cooper's hawk comes and lands on the fence. Like, what are the odds? Have you ever seen three hawks at one step and two of them of one type and the other a third, an- another type? I have, Samantha, because hawk is also my person. But but you're right. It was always under really big extenuating circumstances, as you're just describing. You needed those hawks so badly and they knew you did. Yeah. And they always come when I need strength. I don't know that the hawk is necessarily like my guide, but I know that when I see the hawk, it's always when I need to be strong. I need to feel that strength. I've always asked for the red bird to be my sign for like no or warning, which is odd because I know the red cardinal is usually a hello from heaven, but I set up a different thing for my guides and I said the blue bird for yes and the red bird for no. And so I have like a whole little language with nature that I've asked my guides to show me. And I recommend that you do the same and then just pay attention to the timing of when you see the sign, what's going on in your head and your heart when you see the sign and how you feel when you see the sign. Because sometimes you just, you just know Like I was asking for my yes or no question and I have a couple of bird houses and a bird feeder in my backyard and so I get a lot of birds. And I'm sitting looking out into my yard and asking for a sign and and a red cardinal and a blue bird flew up to the bird feeder. Well, I, I knew that wasn't my guides messing with me being like, yes, no, yes, no. I knew it was my bird feeder and it was a beautiful warm day and they were just gonna eat some food. There was no emotion to me seeing those birds. So pay attention to how you feel when you see the signs, because sometimes it's just a bird or a butterfly or whatever your sign is. 
But if you feel that sense of knowing, that sense of connection and communication, you know it's your sign. Hi ladies, when I was tucking my son into bed one night, I gave him a kiss goodnight and told him to sleep with the angels. As I was walking out of the room, he said, Mom, do my angels and your angels hang out? I turned around and said, what do you mean? My son then told me, remember you told me everyone has a guardian angel that's watching over them? So since our angels are always watching out for us, do they hang out with one another? And that sign, your friend, Christina. I love that. And I just, that gives me chills because I love the way children think about things. There is so much truth in what kids say, you know? And I think what her son said is absolutely true. Of course, our angels are friends and they hang out. One of my favorite stories I read was about Pope John Paul, who said every night he would ask his angels to talk to Ronald Reagan's angels and Gorbachev's angels so they could come to an agreement with what was going on with the Cold War. And I thought, that's such a lovely idea. So I do think that all of our angels hang out. And can you imagine, first of all, what my angels are saying to my kids' angels? <laughs> can you believe this lady? If she asks them to empty the dishwasher one more time, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that story about the Pope and Ronald Reagan. And I love that story. I know. I do too. It just It's such a lovely idea. And Ever since I read that oh, years ago, I do that now. If I'm needing to ask someone for help or a favor, I'll ask my angel to talk to their angel. And I think sometimes this happens to me a lot too. I'll just be going about my day and it'll pop into my head at least three times. Call this person, mail this person a card, pop by and just give this person like a little plan just to let them know that you're thinking of them. And every time I get those thoughts and act on them, it's amazing. You know, the, the individual will say, oh my gosh, I really needed to hear from you today. Or gosh, I was having the worst week. And when I came home and found that Hershey bar in that card in my mailbox, it made my whole day. And I just think that's got to be my angel talking to their angel and them dropping those thoughts into my head. Don't you think? I think that's a lovely thought. I also think you're a delightfully wonderful, kind person. That's very true. But I do. I do believe that there is this multi-layered conversation going on among and between ourselves on the physical plane, ourselves on the astral plane, and our guides and angels. I think all of that communication goes on all the time. I do too. Yeah, so listen to children because they always know the truth. They know what's going on. Lovely. Okay. Okay. Before we close out, I just have one more email I want to share because it's a question we get a lot. It says, hi, Samantha, would love to hear your opinion on psychic teachers I'm a crystal chick now, and what I always wonder, should I wear a necklace, bracelet, or ring? And if I do the bracelet ring, do I wear it on the left or right? Maybe I just need this crystal energy everywhere, or maybe I just need a little grid, or let's just grid the whole house. <laughs> Might as well do the whole country. How do we choose when we have so many options? I tend to go left bringing into me and right sending off, but would love your point of view. Thank you and appreciate you. Well, thank you. This is a great question. And as I said, it's when we get a lot, there's, there's a lot of different beliefs about where you should wear your crystals, necklace, bracelet, ring, toe, anklet. I think anytime you have a crystal on you, what science has luckily been able to show us is that it does lift our vibrations. A crystal vibrates at the same rate, no matter what. And if you get Melody's book, Love is in the Earth, it tells you in each individual crystal description, what it vibrates at. So that is fixed. Our vibrations fluctuate and change all the time. 
as I'm sure you all know. You know, some days you wake up and you feel great and you're vibrating high and other days you get up and you're not feeling so great and you're vibrating really, really low. When we pull a crystal into our vibration, either through wearing or carrying it, it interacts with us and we interact with it. And so it will either pull our vibration up to match it or pull our vibration down to match it. So if you have a lower vibrating crystal, like say for example, a black tourmaline, it's gonna ground your energy and settle and calm you down. Or if you have a clear quartz, it's gonna lift and raise your vibration up. So I just wanted to say that, that no matter where you carry it or put it on your body, it's going to help with your energetic vibration. There is a belief, and it's one I subscribe to as well, that the left side of your body is receiving and the right side of your body is emitting. I'm a left-handed and I still feel that my left side is receiving and my right side is emitting energy. So if you are left-handed, you might want to tune into your body or do some pendulum work or some body pendulum work and see if it's the same for you. But for me, I do feel that I receive on my left and I project on my right. So if I'm looking to receive some energy, I will tend to wear my bracelets on the left or my rings on the left. If I'm looking to project a certain type of energy, whether it's, uh, if say it's, if it's confidence and courage, I will wear a tiger's eye or a citrine on my right so that I walk around with an attitude and energy of confidence. If, for example, I just want a crystal for me, not for receiving or giving, just for me, I will wear it as a necklace. And I'm very conscious of the chain size. So I like to wear some crystals that rest on my throat chakra so that I can work on that chakra that day. Some necklaces I like to hang on my higher heart chakra, which is between your heart chakra and your throat chakra. And then I'll get longer chains so that the stone hangs right on my heart chakra. So that again is just a personal preference, but I like the idea that the crystal is just for me and my energy and it's vibrating with my energy and it's also interacting with the different chakra that it's hanging over. And then sometimes when I'm laying down to fall asleep or if I lay down to meditate, I will put different crystals on my third eye. And again, that's just for me and my energy and my personal work. You can also meditate with crystals in your hands and when I do that, I like to have a crystal in both hands, left and right, so that I'm receiving and projecting that energy. So it's flowing through me. Do you want to add anything to that, Deb? No, other than ditto. I do the same exact thing. And I never wear jewelry just for fun. Not even earrings, really. Even, and I mostly wear metal of some sort, kinds of earrings. And those are always chosen with some kind of intent. So when I am making a decision as to what rocks go on my body where for the day or if I'm going somewhere or whatever I'm doing, it's always done with a conscious connection to a stone and why I'm putting that stone on my body wherever I choose to wear it. So it's about about that connection to them for me. Yeah. And I just want to say too that I think crystals are meant to be shared. So if you have a, a feeling that, gosh, someone needs this stone, go ahead and, and pass that stone on. I don't think we're meant to own these little friends forever. I think it's important to pass it on and share this, this crystal world with other people. Oh, how many times have you had a stone come to you in kind of an odd way? You look at it and you think, I, I don't know why I've got you and what we're supposed to be doing here, but okay. And you try to connect to the stone and you can't. And, or it's just not, it's just not. Sometime later, 
I don't know, sometimes a day or a few later or a month later, somebody will say to you in just in general conversation, oh, I need a rock that does that will help me with X, Y, and Z, or they'll name that stone. And you say, oh, wait, here, hold still. I got it. Here you go. And that's what we do. I know. I did a reading, a couple of readings for this gentleman years ago when I had my office in town, and I bumped into him at the grocery store a couple of months ago. Well, actually a while ago, it was September, October. Anyway, and we're in line and he's like, oh, are you Samantha Fay? And I said, yeah. And he said, you did a couple of readings for me years ago. And I said, oh my gosh, how are you? And good, how are you? And he's just got on khakis and a t-shirt and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out the three crystals from the three, from the three readings because I always leave people with a crystal after a reading. And he said, I carry these with me every day. Isn't that something? And I was like, wow. So mm -hmm. it's just amazing. You just don't know what, what's going to happen to that crystal when you, when you pass it on. But I think it's a beautiful thing when we can gift these crystal friends to others. Um, right. So it really doesn't matter where you wear it. It just matters that you do interact with them. And I yeah. agree with this listener, Jessica. Sometimes I just want to surround my entire house in a certain crystal. And it is funny because if you walk into my house or Deb's house, our homes pretty much are covered in crystals and people they, comment on it all the time. But they really are. <laughs> they really are. Every windowsill, every every square surface. Of and, and, you know, that kind of takes us back to that being in the closet thing. I mean... If you walk into our houses, you know that we are either really bizarre geologists or, or we are woo-woo girls way out there, you know? Yeah. You can just tell. We yeah. own it. It took us time, but we own it. <laughs> between between crystals and, and uh, incense, you can pretty much tell that there's some cosmic stuff going on in my house. Amen to that. <laughs> well, thank you guys so very, very much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week filled with magic and miracles. If you have a question or story you'd like to submit for our next Q&A, please email us, psychicteachers at gmail.com, or you can message us at Facebook. Love for you to join our community there. You can find us at Psychic Teachers. As always, please remember to be the light for yourself and others. Take care, everyone. You are listening to Psychic Teachers, a podcast for seekers, lightworkers, mystics, and magical thinkers. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on iHeart, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Google Podcast, Podbean, and more. Thanks for listening.